my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing God cannot do. Good song, good truth. Last week, I was uh, listening to a sermon by Francis Chan. If you don't know Francis Chan, you don't know what you're missing. Um, He asked his congregation in this sermon, what are the Bible stories that you remember from your childhood? The The people in the audience started to List a bunch of those. Shouted out, of course, Noah's Ark. Daniel in the lion's den. Samson. David and Goliath. Jonah and the whale. So after getting a bunch of those, he, he looked at his congregation and he said, but, but those are kids' stories, Right? Do we still believe that those things really happened? He challenged his congregation. How long has it been since you revisited those classic Bible stories that taught us that our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty There's nothing our God cannot do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this chance to gather today to worship your name. It's been such a joy to be in this service already. You've blessed us so much. We just ask that you would continue to work We thank you that you are such an awesome God. You can do anything. You can heal cancer. You can heal brain aneurysms. You can mend broken relationships, mend broken hearts. Remind us today that you can do anything. In your name that I pray, amen. So today we're going to do something a little unusual. I've never preached a sermon like this. In fact, I'm not even sure that you rightly call this a sermon. Today we're going to look at My favorite Bible story, or should I say historical account, it's the story of Esther, and we are going to do it by reading the story and then making some applications to our lives. A little background first, this story takes place after the Babylonian captivity. You remember the Jews have been transferred from their homeland into foreign, foreign countries. And this is years after that, but some of the Jews stayed behind. 
the, the uh, power at this time is the Persian Empire. And the Persian king Cyrus, who had conquered Babylon, issued a decree allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem. But some had decided to stay. We begin our story of Esther. And let me tell you the four main characters in our story. There's the heroes, heroine, Esther, hero, Mordecai, King Xerxes, and the bad guy, Haman. And we begin the story with one of those main characters, King Xerxes, throwing an extravagant party by any standards. Now, if you do want to try and follow along in your Bible, that's up to you. But let me warn you, I'm reading from a different version, new century version, and I'm also going to be skipping around. So I don't necessarily advise trying to follow along with me, but here we go. In the third year of his rule, King Xerxes gave a banquet for all his important men and royal officers. The army leaders from the countries of Persia and Media and the important men from all Xerxes' empire were there. The banquet lasted 180 days. Yes, think about that. That's a six-month-long party. It most likely, commentators say, included some planning for battle strategy that they, were, they had coming up. But they partied for six months. All during that time, King Xerxes was showing off the great wealth of his kingdom and his own great riches and glory. When the 180 days were over, the king gave, of course, another banquet. It was held in the courtyard of the palace garden for seven days. And it was for everybody in the palace at Susa, from the greatest to the least. Wine was served in gold cups of various kinds. And there, were plenty, there was plenty of the king's wine because he was very generous. The king commanded that the guests be permitted to drink as much as they wished. Queen Vashti, his queen, also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day of the banquet, King Xerxes was very happy. Very drunk. Because he had been drinking much wine. He gave a command to the seven eunuchs who served him. He commanded them to bring him Queen Vashti. Wearing her royal crown. She was to come to show her beauty to the people. And important men. Because she was very beautiful. The eunuchs told Queen Vashti about the king's command. But she refused to come. Must have been an American woman. Then the king became very angry. His anger was like a burning fire. It was a custom for the king to ask advice from experts about law and order. So King Xerxes spoke with the wise men who would know the right thing to do. The king asked them, what does the law say must be done to Queen Vashti? She's not obeyed the command of King Xerxes, which the eunuchs took to her. Then Mamukan said to the king and the other important men, Queen Vashti has not done wrong to the king alone. 
She's also done wrong to all the important men and all the people in the empire of King Xerxes. All the wives of the important men of Persia and Media will hear about the queen's actions. Then they will no longer honor their husbands. They will say King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought to him, but she refused to come. Today, the wives of the important men of Persia and Media have heard about the queen's actions. So they will speak in the same way to their husbands. And there will be no end to disrespect and anger. So our king, if it pleases you, give a royal order and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be changed. The law should say Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her place as queen to someone who is better than she is. And let the king's order be announced everywhere in his enormous kingdom. Then all the women will respect their husbands from the greatest to the least. The king and his important men were happy with this advice. So King Xerxes did as Memucan suggested. He sent letters to all the states of the kingdom. These letters announced that each man was to be the ruler of his own family. Later, when King Xerxes was not so angry, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and his order about her. Started missing his wife. Then the king's personal servants suggested, let a search be made for beautiful young girls for the king. Let the king choose supervisors in every state of his kingdom to bring every beautiful young girl to the palace at Susa. They should be taken to the women's quarters and put under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, in charge of the women. And let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the girl who most pleases the king become queen in place of Vashti. The king liked this idea. So he did as they said. So they basically are having a beauty contest. Now there was a certain Jewish man in the palace of Susa whose name was Mordecai. Enter our second main character. Mordecai was from the tribe of Benjamin, which had been taken captive from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. They were part of the group taken into captivity with Jehoiachin, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin called Esther. And she had a pretty, very pretty figure and face. Mordecai had adopted her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's command and order had been heard, many girls had been brought to the palace in Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther was also taken to the king's palace and put under the care of Haggai, who was in charge of the women. Esther pleased Haggai, and he liked her. So Haggai quickly began giving Esther her beauty treatments and special food. He gave her seven servant girls chosen from the king's palace. Then he moved her and her seven servant girls to the best part of the women's quarters. Esther did not tell anyone about her family or who her people were because Mordecai told her not to. 
Keep it a secret that you're a Jew. Every day, Mordecai walked back and forth near the courtyard where the king's women lived to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a girl could take her turn with King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments that were ordered for the women. For six months, she was treated with oil and myrrh and for six months with perfumes and cosmetics. To think I get frustrated waiting 10 minutes for my wife to put her makeup on. (laughs) Then she was ready to go to the king. Anything she asked for was given to her to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go to the king's palace. And in the morning, she would return to another part of the women's quarters. There she would be placed under the care of Shashkaz, the king's eunuch in charge of the slave women. The king would go back. The girl would not go back to the king again unless he was pleased with her and asked for her by name. The time came for Esther to go to the king. She asked for only what Haggai suggested she should take. Everyone who saw Esther liked her. So Esther was taken to King Xerxes in the royal palace. And the king was pleased with Esther more than any of the other girls. He liked her more than any of the others. So he put a royal crown on her head and made her queen in place of Vashti. Then, of course... The king gave a great banquet for Esther and invited all his important men and royal officers. He announced a holiday for the empire and had the government give away gifts. Look at that, the first stimulus checks. (laughs) Now Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate when the girls were gathered the second time. By the way, this king's gate, we've got a slide of this, I think. King's Gate. Here it is. The actual ruins of the King's Gate at Susa. This was the place where in order to get into the palace area, everyone had to come through the King's Gate. Esther still had not told anyone about her family or who her people were, just as Mordecai had commanded her. She obeyed Mordecai just as she had done when she was under his care. Now, Big Thana and Tirish were two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the doorway. So they're at that king's gate. Big Thana and Tirish. I guess maybe the modern translation of Big Thana would be like Big Tony or Big Mike. You know, these were these were a couple of tough guys guarding the door. While Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Bigthana and Tiresh became angry and began to make plans to kill King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about their plans and told Queen Esther. Then Esther told the king how Mordecai had discovered the evil plan. When the report was investigated, it was found to be true, and the two officers who had planned to kill the king were hanged. All this was written down 
in the daily court record in the king's presence. Now, as we read that little part of the story, it might seem trivial. Like, what does that have to do with the the rest of the story? But tuck it away and remember that there was an assassination plot foiled by Mordecai, and it was recorded in the daily court record. Remember that. After these things happened, King Xerxes honored Haman, the Agagite. Every good story has to have a villain. Here's our villain, Haman. So King Xerxes gave him a new rank that was higher than all the important men. All the royal officers at the king's gate would bow down and kneel before Haman as the king had ordered. But Mordecai would not bow down or show him honor. Then the royal officers at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why don't you obey the king's command? And they said this to him every day. When he did not listen to them, they told Haman about it. They wanted to see if Haman would accept Mordecai's behavior because Mordecai had told them that he was Jewish. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down to him or honor him, he became very angry. He thought of himself as too important to try to kill only Mordecai. He had been told who the people of Mordecai were, so he looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, in all of Xerxes' kingdom. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there's a certain group of people scattered among the other people in all the states of your kingdom. Their customs are different from those of all the other people, and they don't obey the king's laws. It's not right for you to allow them to continue living in your kingdom. If it pleases the king, let an order be given to destroy those people. And uh, then I'll pay 750,000 pounds of silver to those who do the king's business, and they'll put it into the royal treasury. I'll pay you off. So the king took his signet ring and gave it to Haman, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jewish people. Then the king said to Haman, the money and the people are yours. Do with them as you please. In other words, keep your money, kill the people. The royal secretaries were called and they wrote out all of Haman's orders. They wrote to the king's governors and to the captains of the soldiers in each state and to the important men of each group of people. They were written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with his signet ring. Letters were sent by messengers to all the king's empire ordering them to destroy, kill, and completely wipe out all the Jewish people. That meant young and old, women and little children too. It was to happen on a single day. And they could take everything the Jewish people owned. A copy of the order was given out as a law in every state. So all the people would be ready for that day. 
The messengers set out, hurried by the king's command. As soon as the order was given in the palace at Susa, the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Susa was in confusion. When Mordecai heard about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city crying loud, loudly and painfully. But Mordecai went only as far as the king's gate. Because no one was allowed to enter that gate dressed in sackcloth. As the king's order reached every area, there was great sadness and loud crying among the Jewish people. They fasted and cried out loud, and many of them lay down on sackcloth and ashes to show how sad they were. When Esther's servant girls and eunuchs came to her and told her about Mordecai, she was very upset and afraid. She sent clothes for Mordecai to put on instead of the sackcloth, but he would not wear them. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs chosen by the king to serve her. Esther ordered him to find out what was bothering Mordecai and why. So Hathak went to Mordecai, who was in the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told Hathak everything that had happened to him. And he told Hathak about the amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasury for the killing of the Jewish people. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the order to kill the Jewish people, which had been given in Susa. He wanted Hathak to show it to Esther and to tell her about it. And Mordecai told him to order Esther to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther everything Mordecai had said. Then Esther told Hathak to tell Mordecai, all the royal officers and people of the royal states know that no man or woman may go to the king in the inner courtyard without being called. There's only one law about this. Anyone who enters must be put to death. Unless the king holds out his gold scepter. Then that person may live. And I have not been called to go to the king for 30 days. Esther's message was given to Mordecai. Then Mordecai sent back word to Esther. Just because you live in the king's palace, don't think that out of all the Jewish people, you alone will escape. If you keep quiet at this time, someone else will help and save the Jewish people. But you and your father's family will all die. And who knows? You may have been chosen queen For just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this answer to Mordecai. Go and get all the Jewish people in Susa together. 
For my sake, fast. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day. I and my servant girls will also fast. Then I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I die, I die. Everybody remembers the King James. If I perish, I perish. Esther was afraid. But remember, courage is not the absence of fear. My favorite definition of courage is doing the next right thing. Here's a quote from a commentator on this, Karen Jobes. She says, Esther must decide to risk her life by going to the king, unsummoned or not. She had no word from God. She had no prophetic vision. She had no promise of scripture that she could claim for her personal safety. She was responsible for making a decision with serious consequences. In other words, she was just like Back to our story. So Mordecai went away and did everything Esther had told him to do. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, facing the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the doorway. When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, boy, we're all hoping that he really had his coffee this morning. He was pleased. He held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther went forward and touched the end of it. The king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What do you ask? What do you want to ask me? I will give you as much as half my kingdom. That must have been good coffee. Esther answered, My king, if it pleases you, come today with Haman to a banquet that I've prepared for you. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly so we may do what Esther asked. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared for them. And as they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, now, what are you asking for? I will give it to you. What is it you want? I will give you as much as half my kingdom. Esther answered. This is what I want and what I ask for, my king. If you are pleased with me, and if it pleases you, give me what I ask for and do what I want. Sounds like she's about to ask. But... I'm not sure what really happened. Maybe she chickened out. But as the story progresses, we'll see that this is clearly the God's hand of providence working in this situation. If you're not familiar with the term providence, here's the definition. 
up on the screen. God governs all creatures, actions, and circumstances through the normal and the ordinary course of human life without the intervention of the miraculous. It's God working in the normal, everyday circumstances of our lives. That's what's meant by providence. And here, Esther being asked what she wants from the king, does she chicken out? Maybe, but it's God's hand of providence working. She says, back to the story, come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will answer your question about what I want. Come to another banquet. Haman left the king's palace that day happy and content. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and saw that Mordecai did not stand up or tremble with fear before him, Haman became very angry with Mordecai. But he controlled his anger and went home. Then Haman called together his friends and his wife, Zeresh. He told them how wealthy he was and how many sons he had. He also told them all the ways the king had honored him and how the king had placed him higher than his important men and his royal officers. He also said, I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to come to the, come with the king to the banquet she gave. And tomorrow, All the queen has asked, and tomorrow also the queen has asked me to be her guest with the king. But all this does not really make me happy when I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. Then Haman's wife Zeresh and all all his friends said, here's an idea, have a 75 foot platform built. 75 feet. You're trying to picture that. That's about seven stories high. And in the morning, ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Hanged on a seven-story high platform. He wanted everyone to see what he was going to do to this guy who wouldn't bow down to him. Haman liked this suggestion, so he ordered the platform to be built. Now, do you remember that detail I told you to remember earlier in the story that seemed unimportant? It's about to become important. That same night, the king could not sleep. So he gave an order for the daily court record to be brought in and read to him. Need some sleep? Read a history book, right? Boring. It was found recorded that Mordecai had warned the king about Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway and who had planned to kill him. Then the king asked, What honor and reward have been given to Mordecai for this? The king's personal servants answered, nothing's been done for Mordecai. The king said, who's in the courtyard? Now, Haman had just entered 
the outer court of the king's palace. He'd come to ask the king about hanging Mordecai on the platform he'd prepared. The king's personal servants said, Haman's standing in the courtyard. The king said, bring him in. So Haman came in and the king asked him, Haman, what should be done for a man whom the king wants to honor very much? Haman thought to himself, whom would the king want to honor more than me? So he answered the king, this is what you could do for the man you want very much to honor. Have the servants bring a royal robe that the king himself has worn. And also bring a horse with a royal crown on its head. A horse that the king himself has ridden. Let the robe and the horse be given to one of the king's most important men. Let the servants put the robe on the man the king wants to honor. And let them lead him on the horse through the city streets. And as they are leading him, let them announce, this is what is done for the man whom the king wants to honor. Haman thinks, great idea. I, I want to be praised. Yeah. The king commanded Haman, go quickly. Take the robe and the horse, just as you have said, and do all this for Mordecai, the Jew who sits at the king's gate. Do not leave anything out that you have suggested. So Haman took the robe and the horse and he put the robe on Mordecai. Then he led him on horseback through the city streets announcing before Mordecai, this is what is done for the man whom the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman hurried home with his head covered because he was embarrassed and ashamed. The king's eunuchs came to Haman's house and made him hurry to the banquet Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went in to eat with Queen Esther. As they were drinking wine on the second day, the king asked Esther again, What are you asking for? I will give it to you. What is it you want? I will give you as much as half my kingdom. Then Queen Esther answered, my king, if you are pleased with me and it pleases you, let me live. This is what I ask and let my people live too. This is what I want. My people and I have been sold to be destroyed, to be killed and completely wiped out. Then King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he and where is he? Who has done such a thing? Esther said, our enemy and our foe is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was filled with terror before the king and queen. The king was very angry, so he got up, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman stayed inside to beg Queen Esther to save his life. He could see that the king had already decided to kill him. When the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, he saw Haman falling on the couch where Esther was lying. The king said, will he even attack the queen while I'm in the house? As soon as the king said that, the servants came in and covered Haman's face. Harbona, one of the eunuchs there serving the king said, look, 
a 75-foot platform stands near Haman's house. This is the one Haman had prepared for Mordecai, who gave the warning that saved the king. The king said, hang Haman on it. So they hanged Haman on the platform he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king was not so angry anymore. The plot to kill the Jews was foiled. The end of the chapter says this. It was a time of happiness, joy, gladness, and honor for the Jewish people. As the king's order went to every state and city, there was joy and gladness among the Jewish people. In every state and city to which the king's order went, they were having feasts and celebrating. And many people throughout all the empire became Jews. My favorite story in the Bible. I love it. And I want to make just a few quick applications before we close it. So they're going to go up on the board. First application. Like Esther. I want to challenge all of us to step out and do something courageous for God. All of us need to be standing up for what we believe today in an increasingly contentious political climate. Abortion, marriage, racism, the issues are out there. We are the hands and feet of God in all these areas. Let's do something courageous for him. Maybe it's just doing something as courageous as hosting a harvest party in your driveway. Sharing your faith with your neighbor. Or simply going out on a limb to help someone. When you know it will mean for you a significant time investment or even financial investment. Esther acted with courage. Let's be people of courage. Note, remember, she did it after fasting and prayer. Second application, look for God's hand of providence in your everyday life and give him glory for how he's working. Remember, there are no coincidences with God. The things we call coincidences are the providence of God working in your life. Give him glory for those things when they happen. Third, find rest and peace in the sovereignty of God. Trust that he's truly working all things together for good for those who love him. You know, we live in a world where there's an epidemic. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about the epidemic of anxiety. I don't want to downplay the seriousness of that epidemic. But at the same time, I want to say to believers that the key to victory over anxiety is in a biblical understanding of the sovereignty of God. 
First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Last today, reread some of the great stories from the Bible and remind yourself how big our God is. Our God can do anything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder today of how you are always working even through the everyday circumstances of our lives, your hand is there. We give you glory for the way you're working in our lives. You are so awesome, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.